going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing incredibly well. That's my hope and prayer. I hope that the week has been a great week as we are right now in the middle of the week. Hump day is what we call Wednesday. And of course, given all that's scheduled to happen this week, it's a good time for us for sure. Of course, Wednesday nights are always AEW night, at least these days they are, as we are on the road to the Royal Rumble. And we will get there in just a second. But as always, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the faction. Whether you join us on the socials at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show, or if you're subscribed to our podcast in any of the spaces where we are, thank you so much. It really means the world to all of us. It absolutely does. And do me a favor, do us a favor. That is, let one of your friends and loved ones know about The Faction share the podcast with them, have them subscribe, have them follow us. Chances are you're not the only person in your circle who likes pro wrestling, who wants to talk pro wrestling. And so with that, expand our reach, expand the conversation by sharing what we're doing with others. By the way, I do want to point one thing out, which is just kind of an aside. And that is this. If you love what we're talking about here on The Faction, I want to also encourage you to check out another wrestling podcast that I'm a regular part of. And that is the SHW podcast. If you ever want to know all that's happening with Southern Honor Wrestling, we have our own podcast. We have had it for almost two years now. So if you're unfamiliar, check it out. You can follow us at SHW Pod. Check that out. We've got all sorts of cool clips and fun things happening there. And then our new episodes premiere weekly, Friday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central on both Facebook and YouTube for Southern Honor Wrestling. So with all of that said, I definitely want you to check that out because you'll get to see the lay of the land specific to Southern Honor Wrestling. We get a lot of other things, of course, for all of the rest of wrestling here. But for Southern Honor specifically, you can check it out there and see some of the cool things that we're involved in. It's video, it's audio, it's super cool. So go ahead and check that out. Now, with that said, we started yesterday a special series on the Royal Rumble. Of course, Royal Rumble 2022 goes down this Saturday night in St. Louis. Super excited for that because the event itself has always been a significant event and we'll talk more about that in a second, but it is the official kickoff to the road to WrestleMania. Now, prior to this year, and there was a hint every now and again, but prior to this year, usually this is the first pay-per-view on the WWE's yearly calendar. This year, of course, it was different with the day one pay-per-view on New Year's Day. In times past, it's been different with the pay-per-view titled New Year's Revolution, where we saw the first time that the money in the bank briefcase would be cashed in as Edge cashed in on John Cena. However, The Royal Rumble has always been that event from the Royal Rumble match to some of the other occurrences that have happened over time. It's been a special, special time in the world of pro wrestling. So yesterday, if you missed our show, we talked about the very first Royal Rumble being the 1988 Royal Rumble, all the significant things around that. And then we talked about the 1992 Royal Rumble, which was the first time, really one of only two times where the WWE 
WWE Championship was on the line in the Royal Rumble. It was the very first and only time that we walked into a Royal Rumble without a WWE Champion with the championship decided in the Royal Rumble match. The other time that the WWE Championship would be up for grabs, the WWE title would actually be defended inside the Royal Rumble, and we might talk about that one a little bit later in the week. But go back, check out all that we did in terms of our deep dive for Royal Rumble 1988 and Royal Rumble 1992. So today, we're going to cover two specific Royal Rumbles, and again, if you have not checked any of these out, they are all available, of course, on Peacock in the United States for the WWE Network and on the WWE Network internationally, wherever you might be listening to us. So, yesterday when we talked about the 1992 Royal Rumble, as we mentioned, it's the first Royal Rumble where the WWE Championship is on the line. 1993's Royal Rumble is where we want to start today's show because this marks the first Royal Rumble where the prize for the Royal Rumble match is the main event shot at WrestleMania. So you may have thought that it's always been this way. No, it started this way in 1993. As we mentioned yesterday, from 1988 to 1991, it was pretty much for bragging rights. 1992, the matches for the WWE Championship. 1993 is the first time that the winner punches their ticket to WrestleMania. So this adds a new level of genius and importance to this particular match. Now we'll talk about some of the things that happened. First and foremost, this event was held in Sacramento, California at the Arco Arena. Now this is the first time that the Royal Rumble event makes its way to the West Coast. Now it's probably important to mention that of course WWE as a promotion began of course as a territory specific to the East Coast. They ran pretty much from Maine to Washington, D.C. And maybe one day we'll have a whole conversation about what territories looked like, why the whole national and international scene is so different and why it was so significant. But with that said, if you'll notice, most of WWE's events, certainly during the early days, hung out on the East Coast. It was in the 80s, of course, where WWE moved from a territory space into national expansion. And so when we get to the Royal Rumble, remember the very first Royal Rumble was held in Canada. The other Royal Rumbles were held up and down the East Coast until we get to 1993. 1993 is where we expand to the West Coast and go to Sacramento, California. This is important because the WrestleMania connected to this, which would be WrestleMania 9, takes place on the West Coast in Las Vegas. Now, it's not the first WrestleMania that happens on the West Coast. You can go back to, honestly, WrestleMania 2, where that was the only WrestleMania that happened in three locations, one of those locations being L.A., then, of course, you go to WrestleMania 7, and that one was held also in L.A., so the West Coast being well represented there. With all of that said, Royal Rumble 93, Sacramento, California. This one featured four matches, plus the Royal Rumble match itself and a dark match, which 
you never saw the dark matches, right? So we're not even going to talk about that. But what we will talk about are a couple of interesting things. So the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, were in WWE at this point, and they defeated the Beverly brothers, Bo and Blake Beverly. Mind you, that match was not for the tag team championships. It was just a match. Then, speaking of championships, there was the Intercontinental title on the line as Shawn Michaels successfully defended against his former tag team partner, Marty Jannetty. Now, this is an interesting match as the big boss man was defeated by Bam Bam Bigelow. That might be worth going back to check out. And then, of course, the WWE title match saw Bret the Hitman Hart defeat Razor Ramon by submission. Now, all of this is important because Bret Hart, as the WWE champion, now has a vested interest in who wins the Royal Rumble match. Remember again, for the first time in 93, the Royal Rumble match will determine the main event of WrestleMania. So, how does this look? Well, the number one entrant into the 1993 Royal Rumble was the winner of the 1992 Royal Rumble, that being the nature boy, Ric Flair. Now, he came in at number three in the 1992 Royal Rumble, which showed that he could go coast to coast. He lasted basically right over an hour in that particular Royal Rumble. Would he do the same in 1993 and go back to back doing something that only Hulk Hogan had done in 1990 and 1991? Well, the number two entrant was Bob Backlund. So, let me just put a little history around this because Bob Backlund and Ric Flair were once the standards, were both world champions at the same time in their respective organizations. Ric Flair, of course, being the NWA world champion, Bob Backlund being the WWE champion, holding that title for some five and a half years from the mid-70s, of course, until 1983, where he would lose that title in December of 1983 to the Iron Sheik, setting up the Iron Sheik, losing the title at his next defense on January 23rd, 1984, in Madison Square Garden, where he would be defeated by Hulk Hogan, ushering in the era of Hulkamania. With that said, Bob Backlund, Ric Flair in the same ring. For history buffs, that's major. Now, remember, this is 1993 where the WWE did not acknowledge history. So, in fact, Bob Backlund's five and a half year reign wasn't even really talked about much in 1993, with the exception of just, hey, he's back. He's out of retirement. Let's see what he will do. And he was not the evil Bob Backlund at this point either. The evil Bob Backlund shows his face a couple of years later. But this is still the super kind Bob Backlund and Ric Flair starting off the Royal Rumble. A couple of interesting things to note. Bob Backlund would go on to defeat Ric Flair's Royal Rumble record Ric Flair set a Royal Rumble record in 1992, lasting one hour and three seconds in the Royal Rumble. Bob Backlund would crush that, sort of, lasting one hour, one minute, and 10 seconds. With that said, let's talk about the other entrance into the 30-man Royal Rumble, and then we'll get into some other things. So, 
We told you Ric Flair and Bob Backlund were number one and number two. I'm going to now tell you the other entrants into the Royal Rumble. That included Papa Shango, Ted DiBiase, Brian Knobs, who of course is part of the tag team, the Nasty Boys. You have Virgil, Jerry the King Lawler, Max Moon. Then there is kind of our first look at what one could argue is a forbidden door, that being Tenru, who's coming from Japan. Now, mind you, WWE at that point had a relationship with Japan, and they would travel over to Japan, actually still wrestle and connect with some of the folks from New Japan Pro Wrestling. In fact, if you want to see Hulk Hogan wrestling far different than he did in the States, go and check out his work in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Go to YouTube, check out Hulk Hogan, New Japan. You'll be shocked with some of the things that you see from Hulk Hogan. There's not a whole lot of, you know, leg drops and hand to the ear and that type of stuff. Hogan is actually wrestling. It's quite intriguing. Anyway, Tenru, because of the relationship that WWE had with Japan, I guess you could call it kind of Forbidden Door-ish, but not exactly, right? Other entrants included Mr. Perfect, Skinner, Coco Beware, Samu, The Berserker, The Undertaker, Terry Taylor, Damian Demento. And as I mentioned that name and I mentioned the name of Max Moon and Skinner, you know, you have to remember we're 1993. So we're just a year away from the official declaration of the new generation. And the new generation era of the WWE was kind of one of the last eras where they were really reaching for some new stars and they had some pretty crazy names and gimmicks for some of these superstars, that being Damian Demento. Mike Rotundo becomes IRS Erwin R. Scheister. He's in the Rumble, as is Tatanka, Jerry Sags, Typhoon, who was once, of course, Tugboat. Yeah, just a lot of history there. Fatu, Earthquake. Now, here is where you could argue is some semblance of Forbidden Door because Carlos Colon is in this Royal Rumble. He is the father, of course, of Carlito. But not just is he the father of Carlito, he is an absolute icon and wrestling god in Puerto Rico. Longstanding WWC champion there, and he's done so much. So let's just say that 1993 was the first year that we started to see people from other organizations make their way into the Royal Rumble. You had Japan represented with Tenru. You had Carlos Colon, of course, with World Wrestling Council, or WWC, in Puerto Rico. Add to that, you've got Tito Santana, Rick Martel, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, The Repo Man, and Randy Savage. And can I remind you that The Repo Man was once half of a tag team known as Demolition? That was Smash from Demolition. So, yeah, WWE, of course, in the 90s, did not have a problem repackaging their own wrestlers. And that's who Repo Man was, in case you didn't remember. So that's all 30 members of that year's Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble would be won by Yokozuna, who came in at the number 27 spot. Yokozuna 
holds the record at this point with seven eliminations in that particular rumble. He looked amazing. He was incredible. And he ended up ultimately eliminating Randy Savage to win the 1993 Royal Rumble. Yokozuna would go on, of course, to WrestleMania 9 to win the WWE Championship against Bret Hart, starting what is an interesting streak and stat when it relates to the Royal Rumble winner winning the world championship at WrestleMania. So with that said, 1993 becoming a very important episode and presentation of the Royal Rumble because it's the first Royal Rumble where we see, of course, the winner heading to WrestleMania. It's also then the first one where the Royal Rumble winner wins at WrestleMania, and that happens more often than not these days. It's a tradition that continues even until today, and we'll see that tradition continue at the Royal Rumble this weekend as, of course, both the men and women's match will send their winner to WrestleMania, or so we think. When we come back, we'll talk about another significant episode of the Royal Rumble, which was the largest attended Royal Rumble in history. Let's see if you can guess that one. We'll talk about it when we come back. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I got to plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were going to be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm going to do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here forward a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a bin, all right, we spent some time talking about Royal Rumble 1993. Go back and check it out. It is the last Royal Rumble 
before we get into what is declared the new generation era, which begins in 1994, and that's an interesting era for sure. But Royal Rumble 93 was significant because, again, you have Yokozuna winning the Rumble, becoming WWE champion at WrestleMania. Now, we could talk about Royal Rumble 94, though I have another Royal Rumble to talk about, but 94 becomes interesting because you have two historic things happen as a result of Royal Rumble 94. The first thing is, it's the first time and really only time that you have two winners of the Royal Rumble. Lex Luger and Bret the Hitman Hart both land at the same time on the floor and because they couldn't decide who landed first, they made both of them the winners. So both of them would go on to WrestleMania to get a shot at the WWE champion who happened to be Yokozuna. Let's add a little color to this, shall we? Because if you go back to WrestleMania 9 back in 1993, Yokozuna defeats Bret the Hitman Hart to become the WWE champion. And then after that, Hulk Hogan comes out, makes an impromptu challenge, it's accepted, and it becomes the first time that the WWE title changes hands twice at a WrestleMania when Hulk Hogan leaves WrestleMania as WWE champion. That would be a short-lived reign, and before I say that, it was one of the most controversial moves in WWE history at a WrestleMania surrounding the world title, and it ultimately would lead to Hulk Hogan losing the WWE Championship in June of 93 at King of the Ring. And when that happened, he lost it to Yokozuna and it was his exit out of WWE for almost a decade. With that said, Yokozuna held on to the WWE Championship from June of 93 all the way through Royal Rumble 94, where he sent The Undertaker away in a casket match. First time we saw Undertaker just kind of leave during his whole run. With that said, though, of course, Royal Rumble 94 gives us Bret Hart, Lex Luger as co-winners. They both would get the opportunity to battle Yokozuna at WrestleMania. It was interesting because, again, Bret Hart ended up with two matches at that WrestleMania, the opening match against Owen Hart, where he would lose to Owen Hart. But this becomes significant because Lex Luger gets the first title shot against Yokozuna and does not win. So already 1994, Luger becomes the first Royal Rumble winner to not win the title at WrestleMania. That's significant. You might get asked that in a trivia question at some point in time, but it's interesting to note that that Royal Rumble winner streak didn't last very long with Lex Luger losing. Now, of course, Bret Hart later that night would win against Yokozuna, becoming WWE champion. And at that point, we're sitting at two out of three, 66% of your Royal Rumble winners going on to win at WrestleMania. Now, I didn't plan to talk about 94. What I did plan to talk about is the Royal Rumble that had the largest attendance from fans. That would be Royal Rumble 1997. That happened at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Pretty big situation there. The official attendance was 60,477. 
the highest recorded live crowd in Royal Rumble history. And now, interestingly enough, some 20 years later, at the 2017 edition of the Royal Rumble, it would actually be held in the same venue, the Alamo Dome. And that would end up being the second largest attendance for the Royal Rumble. And that one kind of holds a special place in my heart because the good brothers of the faction, myself, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, we were all in attendance for that Royal Rumble, which saw John Cena defeat AJ Styles for what then was his, I believe, 16th world title. He's not won another title since then. That's where he tied Ric Flair's longstanding record as a 16-time world champion. So that's 2017. But 1997, the largest attended Royal Rumble event ever at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. It was a big night for a few reasons. First and foremost, this night saw the Royal Rumble match not as the main event. Instead, the WWE Championship was the main event there. This also saw an interesting partnership between the WWE and AAA. AAA, of course, being the leading promotion there in Mexico. And of course, with it being right across the border, certain things kind of made sense. In fact, there were three dark matches that feature talent from AAA. When we get into the event, the event itself looks like this. Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at the time, defeated Goldust with Marlena, retaining the Intercontinental Championship. Ahmed Johnson defeated Farouk by disqualification. Vader, who was managed by Paul Bearer at the time, defeated The Undertaker. And then you had a match on the card that was representing AAA. It was a trios match as Kanek, Hector Garza, and Pero Aguayo defeated Guerrera, Heavy Metal, and Jerry Estrada. Then from there, you had the Royal Rumble match and then the WWE Championship match that saw Shawn Michaels regain the WWE Championship by defeating Psycho Sid. So then, who would end up winning Royal Rumble 97? Well, let's go here. Let's start with the number one and number two spot for the Royal Rumble, as we have done with all of the previous Royal Rumbles we've talked about. The Royal Rumble this year in 97, number one was Crush, and number two was Ahmed Johnson. That's pretty interesting. Quite interesting, to say the least. Now, the folks in this one are quite interesting, and here is where, again, I like to talk about the Forbidden Door because we saw the greatest representation here of outside organizations, primarily with AAA, okay? So you had four AAA superstars in this Royal Rumble. That included Piroth, the legendary Mil Mascaris, Cibernetico, and Latin Lover. They were all a part of the Royal Rumble. So a Big relationship at this point between AAA and WWE. It's not a long-standing relationship, but a significant relationship relative to the Royal Rumble. And I keep mentioning all of this talk about Forbidden Door, considering that at the Royal Rumble this year, we have the Forbidden Door cracked, and it's cracked in a way that we did not see it in previous Royal Rumbles. We know for fact that the Impact Knockouts champion, Mickey James, is on her way to the Royal Rumble, and she still holds the title. Will she bring the belt to the Royal Rumble? That in itself would be significant because there's never been 
a women's champion from another organization showing up in WWE as the current champion, bringing her belt. That would be interesting in and of itself. But with that said, let's get back to Royal Rumble 97 and run through all the participants. We told you number one and two is Crush and Ahmed Johnson. Here are the other entrants, and some of these you'll find to be interesting as we are at this point right into the new generation and we're transitioning to the Attitude Era, all right? Some would say that 97 was the year that ushered in the Attitude Era. Some would say 96. But when you hear this list of folks, you can tell we're still hanging on to the new generation. Case in point number three is the fake Razor Ramon. Then you have Phineas Godwin, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bart Gunn, Jake Roberts, the British Bulldog, Piroff, the Sultan, who is another superstar who endured a number of changes over time, once known as Fatu, and then ultimately known as Rikishi. Yeah, that's the Sultan. Then you've got Mil Mascaris, Triple H, Owen Hart, Goldust, Cibernetico, Mark Marrow, Latin Lover, Farouk, Savio Vega, Jesse James before he became the Road Dog, Brett the Hitman Hart, Jerry Lawler, Fake Diesel, Terry Funk, Rocky Maivia, before he became The Rock, Mankind, Flash Funk, Vader, Henry Godwin, and The Undertaker comes in at number 30. So the winner of the 1997 Royal Rumble is Stone Cold Steve Austin. He would go on to win back-to-back Rumbles in 97 and 98 and was trying to do the three-peat in 99 when he would be eliminated by, of course, Vince McMahon. He'd come back in 2001 to win the Royal Rumble, making him the only three-time Royal Rumble winner in WWE history. So this marks an interesting spot in the world of pro wrestling because this marks the first time that since 1993, the winner of the Royal Rumble did not go on to fight for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. So here's how it went down. At In Your House 13, which is the pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, Bret Hart defeats The Undertaker in a Final Four match to win the vacant WWE Championship. Hart would lose the title the next night to Psycho Sid after interference by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin, who was the winner of the Royal Rumble, was a part of that Final Four match at In Your House 13 where he did not win. So what ends up happening is... Stone Cold Steve Austin goes on not to fight for the WWE title at WrestleMania. Instead, he fights the former WWE champion, Bret Hart. And Bret Hart, ironically, ends up in an epic submission match with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Ken Shamrock is the referee. You've got this epic moment where there is the double turn where Bret Hart becomes evil stone cold becomes the good guy it's a wild moment but yes history comes from this special royal rumble because it marks the first time since 1993 that the winner of the royal rumble did not go on to fight for the championship at wrestlemania 
So that's a look at Royal Rumble 1997. We've talked about Royal Rumble 1993. All of this is getting ready for the Royal Rumble event taking place this Saturday in St. Louis. Can they break the attendance record for the Royal Rumble? Will there be more folks from the Forbidden Door happening? Who will walk away as the winner of the men and women's Royal Rumble match? Let's talk about all that on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. Some of you have already told us some of your favorite Royal Rumble events, so we've seen some pretty interesting ones there. Keep letting us know there on the socials, and we'll have more Royal Rumble conversation tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. Until next time, family, representing from a good brother's Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray, my name is GB Gerard Bonham, and this is The Faction. Oh,